Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian. This is Season 2, Episode 2. Today I welcome Heather Hardcastle. She is the owner of the Flowercraft Bakery, and she has a new cookbook, the Flowercraft Bakery Cookbook. I really enjoyed getting to talk to Heather about gluten-free cooking. Heather Hardcastle understood where gourmet gluten-free was headed before anyone else. In the early 2000s, she was diagnosed with gluten intolerance and she was passionate about food and cooking. Heather left her well-established career and enrolled in the Culinary Institute of America in Napa County, determined to learn the nuances of great pastry and solid classical technique. Her dream has always been to turn her passion and knowledge into a thriving business, creating delicious, high-quality gluten-free baked goods, and I have tried them so I can attest that they are high-quality, wonderful, delicious items. In 2013, she opened the first Flowercraft Bakery. Today, guests line up daily for her signature cinnamon rolls, breads, cookies, specialty cakes, and more, more sold at her cafes. Her granola is quite excellent, by the way. The Flowercraft Bakery and Cafe Cookbook is Heather's first book, and it's a wonderful cookbook, and it's very well produced and beautifully done. She lives in Marin County, California with her husband, Rick, and two corgis, Flora and Walnut. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I really had a great time talking to Heather. Here we go. Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Heather Hardcastle. She's founder of the Flowercraft Bakery in the Bay Area, and she is author of the Flowercraft Bakery Cookbook. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad to have you. And I, I just want to say I've been looking over the cookbook and it's wonderful. And I'm really just impressed by it. And I wanted to just talk to you about um, your work as a baker and ah, the Flower Calf Bakery. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, happy to. Well, it's, a, it's um, how did you begin as a baker? How did you start baking and get into it? Oh, well, good question. I mean, my, uh, my road to baking was not, um, was not direct, as all good things in life tend to be circuitous, I think. Um, but I started my uh, first career was as a landscape designer um, here in the Bay Area. My husband and I um, owned a business doing that for 15 plus years. And oh, nice. Yeah. And um, then in about the year 2000, um, I was diagnosed with being gluten intolerant. Um, after kind of a lifetime of uh, issues, digestive issues and whatnot. And um, after that happened, really, um, I got super passionate about cooking and baking. There just was not a lot of options at that point for gluten-free foods in general, certainly not for high-quality baked goods. Um, and so I got really passionate about doing that for myself and um, decided to make a career change and enrolled in culinary school. And... Um, things just kind of developed from there. So um, where did you go to culinary school at? I went to the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. Oh, in, nice. Yeah, in um, Napa Valley. Very nice. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. So how did you discover you had a gluten allergy? I asked this question because I've spoken to other cookbook authors who've had similar stories where somewhere in their 20s or 30s, they're like, geez, I... I'm not feeling good. I'm sick all the time. And then they discover um, they have an undiagnosed food issue. Uh, did that happen to you? It did. I mean, I had, um, like I said, I mean, I had suffered from 
um, kind of chronic digestive issues for a good part of my childhood and teenage years. And um, I was actually in the process of training to do the Avon Breast Cancer Walk, which was at that point a three-day walk. And I just kind of wanted to get my health under control and kind of figure out what was causing me these issues and kind of preventing me from, um, from accelerating in my training. And, um, and I, I came across, we did an elimination diet. I worked with a nutritionist and we did an elimination diet. And um, thankfully I was okay with some of the other main triggers, but the, um, the minute we got to gluten, like my whole, everything changed. Um, it was just so evident. All my kind of chronic issues were gone and I just felt like a whole weight had been lifted off of me. Um, and I just knew that this was, this was the path I needed to stay on. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I, I know many people who have a gluten tolerance and for them, you know, it's so, it's such a palpable thing that they had such a before and after of, you know, a personal medical history with it. But then I see people that are like, they act as though they dismiss it as though it's non-existent. It's not a, it's not a real malady, but I mean, I got, I, I know at least, you know, two handfuls of people that have had personal issues with this, where they're like, this definitely was an issue for me. Do you think sure. there's a lot of misconceptions about it? I do think there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, and I mean, I think, I mean, I really encourage people to do what feels right for their body. I mean, you know, my mission with creating a gluten-free business is so that it can be a, an inclusive brand for everyone. I mean, my, my primary objective is always to make delicious food, just stop, period. Um, the fact that it's uh, gluten-free is a really great bonus, and I hope that it makes it more accessible and approachable for um, those who can't have gluten, but I feel that the quality of the food should stand on its own regardless. So when did you decide to go ahead and open up a bakery with your husband, the Flourcraft Bakery? Did you just, did you wanna, did you, did you always plan on making a bakery or would you, had you like, what was, where was your impetus there? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I went to culinary school in my early 30s. So at that point, you know, I'd already had a, a business of my own for 10 plus years. And um, I really wasn't interested in the kind of chefy lifestyle of working nights and staying out late and that whole thing that really had no appeal to me at that point. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to take the kind of technique that I had learned and transition it into uh, creating gluten-free recipes for myself. So we started actually in 2010 and Rick and I, my husband, we, we worked out of a rented commercial kitchen and we did the graveyard shift and we started making our um, Flourcraft Bakery granola and we sold it at farmer's markets around the Bay Area. And that's really how it started. And then because I had built such a loyal following at the farmer's market, we started to introduce other items and I started to do experimenting with other recipes and tested them out on my lovely loyal customers, many of whom are still my customers to this day. And, um, and things just grew from there. And we opened our first brick and mortar in 2013. And that was in downtown San Anselmo here in central Marin. And, um, then the second bakery came along five years later in 2018, we opened our second location in Mill Valley. Do you think, um, I, I've seen that, I'm seeing some slow 
turning to making gluten-free bakery in the Bay Area, and I've seen a few more bakeries open up too, but do you think people are still, it's still kind of growing, becoming its its own, uh, ver it's its own subsection of the baking industry here? Well, I mean, I, I definitely have seen um, a lot of really great quality, both gluten-free products and gluten-free brick and mortar, um, both sweet and savory businesses open. Um, in, in the time that we've been open since 2013, that's fantastic. Um, and I, I mean, while I think that being a 100% dedicated gluten-free facility is still somewhat niche, um, I have seen in the, gosh, decade plus that I've been doing this, just so much more awareness in the restaurant and baking world in general about um, gluten-free products and having more options and making things in a safe and um, thoughtful and really um, away with a lot of integrity so that those of us um, who are going to a mixed facility can still eat out and feel safe. And that's really lovely to see. Yeah, because I, I feel like now if I go to Whole Foods or Safeway, um, I could I could find gluten-free items easily. And I don't feel like it was that way just even 10 years ago. It wasn't. It really, really wasn't. Yeah. So it's great for me to see, um, you know, and for me to see that there's more than just the kind of industrial, industrial produced products like the frozen white breads and those kinds of things out there, um, that there's really sort of artisan high quality products is really fantastic to see that those coming into the marketplace more and more. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. And now let's return to our program. When I think about the challenges that must exist um, with cooking without gluten, um, or maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not a challenge, but I I imagine that there are benefits. Then, and what are some of the things you discovered with the difference of cooking gluten-free items or alternatives to gluten? Well, um, I will say that, I mean, it's definitely an, it's definitely an art form. Um, it isn't a simple one for one, especially with baking kind of substitution. You can't just, you know, grab any gluten-free chickpea flour or whatever flour it is off the shelf and just substitute it for any recipe. I mean, there is kind of an art to combining flours. Yeah. Um, if you want them to taste good, <laughs> that certainly is part of it. Um, and in some ways there's, um, there's, in some ways it's easier. I mean, there's some things that you don't have to think about. Like if you think about rolling out a tart crust or a pie crust with regular gluten flour, you have to let the crust rest because you need to let the gluten relax or the pie crust will shrink up. Right. Like we all know that. Well, when you're working with the gluten-free dough, you don't have to do any of that. You roll it out, you put it in the pan, you put it straight in the oven because you're not working with any gluten. So you don't have to wait for those proteins to relax. So, ah, nice. you know, in some ways it's easier. Same thing with over mixing. You know, when you read instructions in cookbooks that say, be careful not to over mix. Well, it's because you don't want to develop too much gluten in a recipe. And when you're dealing with the gluten-free flour, especially like in a bread recipe, you can beat that thing like crazy because you actually want to, you want to aerate it and you want to, you want to provide that lightness in the dough. Um, so, you, so it, it's, especially with bread baking, I would say, you know, a lot of the things that we learn um, as traditional bakers, you can kind of just toss out the window when it comes to gluten-free bread. Very nice. Um, 
What are some of your favorite alternative grains and what do you recommend to people who want to experiment trying different things? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say like if I had to pick three, um, I mean, you could certainly stock a pantry with a whole lot of them, but I really want that. I really want things to be approachable for people. And especially in the book, I, I do try to limit it to just a handful of ingredients so that you, that you, that are readily available at any good natural foods market, um, certainly online. Um, I would probably pick um, a rice flour, either a brown or a white rice flour that's finely milled, not a coarse one. Um, a, maybe something like a sorghum flour. I think that sorghum in particular has a very um, sort of sweet flavor. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it's sort of weedy in taste. So I think that's nice. So uh, a rice flour, a sorghum flour, and then probably a starch, like a tapioca starch or um, maybe a nut flour, like an almond flour, something like that. Are there any tricks to working with some of these flours that you mentioned? I know that uh, I work with almond flour on more than one occasion. I'm really enjoying it, but there's some, I think you get used to like working with it because of the texture. Right. And it I, definitely I like has different texture. Yeah. Yeah. Buckwheat, a uh, similar thing. Like I really like working with buckwheat a lot, but you kind of, it, there's a learning curve, I think. Yeah. I mean, I would say, so when you're working with, um, the, you know, they all have kind of their peculiarities. So that's why I would say like, if you, if you get a couple really good base flowers, like a, a white rice flower and a sorghum flower, you can kind of, for most pastry recipes that would have sugar and butter and eggs, at least, um, you can kind of, you can kind of sub them one-to-one. -one. So like, say you had a traditional recipe that said you're making a cookie, tongsho cookies. Um, and it said two cups of all-purpose flour. You could probably do one cup of sorghum and one cup of rice flour with a little bit of xanthan gum in there and get a pretty decent cookie. Um, when you start taking out the fat and the sugar and you start working with a leaner dough like you would with a bread dough, then things become somewhat more complicated in terms of balancing the amount of protein and fat and starch and all of that. But um, you know, some simpler recipes like brownies, cookies, um, those are those are easier to kind of to experiment with. That's where I would start. I really enjoy baking with alternative grains. Do you think we have in America an over dependence on wheat? Do you think we kind of have a mindless devotion to it? I do. I think it, and I think that because it's somewhat, um, I think there's kind of an unconscious consumption of it. Yeah. And that it's kind of in everything. Like when you start looking at it, um, it's, it's used in a lot of processed and packaged and especially frozen foods to keep things separate. So they don't clump together in the bag. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. I'm starting to see things more say like this has gluten in it. I'm like going, well, why does it have gluten? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you need it? <laughs> Must it have gluten? Right. And often not. And um, I mean, I find sometimes also, especially with um, Asian foods because of the soy sauce. Yeah. Um, that there's, that there's a lot of hidden wheat and gluten in, in those kinds of products, um, which could very easily be substituted for tamari. Yeah, but which is really not. good. Yeah. yeah, which is really delicious. Yeah, but it's just not. Yeah. We recently started using tamari at home, and I, I think my family got over their initial prejudice of it. Now they prefer it. So it's, yeah, yeah. tamari is wonderful. Yeah. 
Your bakery has grown um, in the Bay Area and now you have more than one location. What has the public's reaction been to the bakery? Oh, um, it, I, I mean, I'm so grateful. It's been so warm and so well received and I'm just, um, I'm just so thankful to be part of such a great community. Um, just of lovely regular customers and a lot of first timers too. And that's really fun to introduce people to what we're doing and people come in and they say, oh, can you tell me if you have anything here that's gluten-free? And I'll say, well, everything's gluten-free. And they say, e everything? So, <laughs> um, so that's always really fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been so warm and people have been so open. Um, and I hope that um, just through them trying delicious high quality food that we're changing people's preconception of what's possible with gluten-free. Um, I want to ask you about your new cookbook, the Flower yeah. Craft Bakery Cookbook. Um, how do you, how did that come about and how do you feel uh, having a brand new cookbook out? Oh, it's, it's so, um, it's really rewarding. It's um, really gratifying. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. It's these things don't just happen overnight. This is no. many, this is many, many years in the making. Um, it's yeah. always been, a dream of mine to be able to put all my recipes together and to represent the brand in a really visual way. So, um, yeah, it's been, a, it was a lot of work and it's just really gratifying to see it out in the world finally for it to be in people's hands and to see them enjoying the recipes and making them and hearing their feedback. And it's, it's been great. New, um, when you initially, um, went to publishers with the proposal for the cookbook, did they grasp it? Well, easily or did you have to kind of sell it a little bit? I mean, I would say that, um, well, this is my first time ever publishing a book. So I really had very little knowledge of the publishing world at all and kind of how that worked. So that was a big education for me and a really, it was really fun um, to learn about all of that and challenging. And um, I would say it was very, very well received. The proposal was really well received. Um, what I found was that publishers typically don't want to repeat themselves. So if they've had a gluten-free baking book or an alternative baking book within the last season, they're not going to publish two because they don't want their authors competing against each other. So a lot of it is just finding the right fit at the right time. And I went with, um, I went with Rizzoli because they make really, really beautiful books. And um, I hope that I'll have the opportunity to make another book, but I really wanted my book to be the most beautiful and the highest quality representation of the food that it could be. So I think they were a great partner for that. Well, it's a beautiful cookbook. They really Thank did a great you. job with it. I think that's, a lot of people worry about that, but you know, you have nothing to worry about. Your cookbook's very beautiful looking. Thank you. Okay, so your last question, and I hope this is a fun one. If you could okay. invite anyone living or dead, famous or not, to a dinner party, who would you invite and what would you serve? Okay, well, who I would invite is easy. <laughs> That's an easy question. Uh, it would definitely be Martha Stewart. Nice. Uh, ideally with Snoop. Is anybody, <laughs> nice. is anybody else obsessed with the fact that they're best friends? Because I, am. I just love that. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, so Martha and her plus one could be Snoop. That would be good. Um, I've always really admired her. I really, I really admire her, uh, her zest for life, her passion for learning new things, even 
in her later years now, always creating. Um, and I love her willingness to just put herself out there and just kind of go for it. And in a time where she really made what was then considered women's work, entertaining, cooking, homekeeping, that sort of thing, into an empire. I mean, what's not to love about that? No, she's and a hero of mine. I love her. I love her. Me too. I would be completely starstruck to meet her. I, I, I don't know what, I mean, what would I serve her? Oh boy. <laughs> she'd I think, yeah, she'd be a tough customer. But um, I think I would serve her probably something super simple and very Californian, just focusing on freshest ingredients prepared in a very simple way. Um, that was that was very much, depending on the time of year that I had her for dinner, um, it would depend on what I made, but something that was just really simply sourced from the farmer's market, very lightly prepared, try not to mess it up. That's what I would do. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, very cool. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you oh, and talk to you a little bit about your cookbook and your bakery. I urge anybody to go to your bakery if they have not been yet. Um, we're going to have a link um, to your bakery and your cookbook on the um, site for the podcasts on iCloud and um, Spotify. So just if you're listening to this, just take a look on the listing and you'll see the links. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and I hope to see everybody at the shop. Um, at the shop one of these days soon. I'll be there, so. Great. I want to thank you for joining us today in our talk with Heather Hardcastle. We really enjoyed getting to talk to her and find out about the Flower Craft Bakery and the Flower Craft Bakery Cookbook. Tune in next week when we're going to be talking to Caroline Jung, a journalist, editor, and blogger whose articles on food you've probably seen more than once in different travel magazines or the newspaper or online. Until then, have a great week and keep cooking. <laughs>